We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. to another edition of the Rock Off Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder, Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger. And we're here talking about Week 9, the Buffalo Bills versus the New York Jets. Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard, the place, the Meadowlands in East, East Rutherford, New Jersey. I almost stumbled over those words. Chris, what do we have for a betting line on this? Last I saw it was 13. 13 points, which is a, uh, I don't know about that line. I only not, I don't know about the, I don't know about this weather. They're talking about 74 degrees. It's bumped down to 12 and a half. 12 and a half now, probably because of the, some of the injury stuff we're going to talk about. The weather, you're looking at about uh, 20% chance of precipitation, 74 degrees and cloudy, 73% humidity. That almost sounds like a summer day, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, all this stuff. I was telling Jessica about this upstairs, like when she came home from work. It's like all this shit about all these tornadoes, and these are the worst hurricanes ever, global warming. What about this? What about November? This weekend in Buffalo, it's supposed to be 70 degrees. What about that global warming? The good stuff. The good stuff. (laughs) We're at 70 in Buffalo in November. Uh, I'll crack him on talking to that. The crew for this weekend is going to be Land Clarks. You guys remember this guy, right? From last year's Jacksonville game where where he both under and over officiated the game simultaneously. Yeah. Shockingly here in 2022, Chris, he's only seventh in penalty yardage this season. And he's only eighth in flags thrown. Maybe like maybe he's finally figuring out that being an over judicious ass is bad for the sport, but probably not. Boo this man! Boo! 
What do we have on the call, Chris? Ian Eagle and Chuck Davis. What's our coverage look like? Uh, I actually just texted my mom that they have the game in Atlanta. So all the red? Holy crap! All the red against Bills and Jets. So Washington, uh, the Badlands out there in the Dakotas and in Nebraska. The middle of the country. Basically the whole Midwest, most of the South, except for what's that blue there? That is Miami, Chicago. And what state is that primarily? That is Florida. No, Florida, but then a giant. <laughs> Alabama. But then a Okay, so Alabama is the only not Buffalo Bills state. Now, do you think that they get that state because of Tua Tungavelloa? Probably. The same way we get Wyoming with, with Josh. Okay. All right. You know what? I'll give you that. You know what I like about this? Uh, the map for CBS. What? It's right here. Green Bay. This little window here is Bill's Jets. <laughs> Green Bay. <laughs> That's amazing. It's like, hey, oh, we know. Hold on. So what's that other game that they might? So they could watch the Dolphins. Yeah, they could watch Chicago and Miami. Except the but, NFL's like, no, guys. You remember well, last week? Well, it's not the NFL. It's the local affiliate. Oh, so the local affiliate was in like, Green Bay. It's like, no, we're not watching Miami, Chicago. <laughs> in Green Bay, we're doing Buffalo and the Jets. That is hilarious. Yeah, I, I do like that. Yep. I, I will raise a glass to that. Yep. Buffalo Jets premier game, 1 o'clock Sunday on CBS. Most of you in the country will get it. Well, what do you expect with a Chris, five-win football team? I know. Five-win team versus, what, a 16-win team now? Seven-win team? Yeah. Eight-win team? Where are we now? Jets have Jets have five wins. Yeah, Jets have five wins. And we're six and one. Six and one, Jets are five and three. I don't know if they've had their bye week yet. I don't think they have. No, I don't think they. You know, no. Five and three. Bills are six and one. So technically speaking, this game, that it has a little gravitas. Yeah. Yeah. The injuries of note, the New York Jets wide receiver Corey Davis missed last week's game with a knee injury. He is questionable. Jermaine Johnson also missed last week's game and I believe the game before that. I can't remember what his injury is, but it doesn't matter. The defensive line is still wreaking havoc as evidenced by the six sacks that they had against the New England Patriots this past weekend. For Buffalo, it's, it's another one of these weeks where we have a long injury list. Uh, but the big names are Jordan Poyer, who the, the team still hasn't disclosed the results of his MRI. No, you guys can uh, head on over to bangedupbills.com if you want any uh, analysis on that. Then Now, they said he's day-to-day. The fact that he didn't get put on the IR has to be a good sign, right? Yeah, I think Kyle might have tweeted out week-to-week, thinks week-to-week. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, though. The team today said day-to-day. But ultimately, they've held him out of games that they think they should win before. Remember the Pittsburgh game? Yeah. So it's entirely possible we may not see him. Matt Milano with an oblique injury. That's a big one. Tremaine Edmonds, heel injury. He was limited today in practice. Trey White, nobody knows whether or not he's going to be, he's been activated. Nobody knows if he's going to be a healthy and active, like a healthy scratch. If he's going to be out there but on a pitch count and they slowly work him in, we still don't know what that looks like. 
And Spencer Brown is questionable with his foot injury that caused him to miss last week's game. If I want to preface this game, it's that Vegas loves them some Buffalo Bills this season. And I mean, it's not hard to see why. They've been 4-2-1 and one against the spread through six weeks. Seven weeks of football, 4-2, bye week. Yeah. Their loss, obviously, they didn't cover the spread. Mm-hmm. But either way, they've received some of the most generous spreads of any team in, like, of the field here in 2022. They were two-and-a-half-point road favorites in L.A., do you remember how much fun that game was? A lot of fun. It feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? It does. It was a month and a half, so I guess it was a long time, but they smashed that. They were 10-point favorites going into that Titans game week two. 10 points. They cleared that and the Steelers' double-digit spreads like Evil Knievel jumping over 15 buses. They covered against Kansas City. Everyone's like, oh my God, this is a trap game. This is a sucker's bet. The Bills are favorites on the road in Kansas City, and they covered. That's wild. Yeah. And then just this past Sunday, they barely missed the spread. Somebody at work bet Bills 10 and a half. <sighs> That's a bad beat. Well, he's... He's watching a, Josh Allen throw those two fourth quarter, two second half interceptions. He's got to be just walking around going, God damn it, come on, God damn it. Well, he gets, he, he falls for the sucker bets. What's his name? No, I'm not, it's not getting disclosed. Oh, let's out him. Come on. No. You're not going to do him like you did Greg Zahn? No, no, no. That's completely different. <laughs> Is it just because Greg sucked? He doesn't suck. He just has horrible takes. That's fair. Although I think in my book, that means you suck. Like, if you come to me repeatedly with terrible opinions at a certain point, I'm just, it's just going to get ugly. Yeah. (laughs) So they barely missed the largest spread of a Hall of Fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers' career. He's never been an underdog like that. And they just barely (laughs) missed it. They've been romping people. So it shouldn't shock anyone to see that the Buffalo Bills are going to open against the New York Jets, who just lost arguably their most consistent offensive player for the season as one of the like the biggest favorites anywhere. Almost two touchdowns on the road. And again, it seems improbable, doesn't it? Yeah. And yet they are the New York Jets. These are wild times. Wild times, Chris. What do you think the odds are that they actually make this one? 4-2-1 against the spread. Do you want to bet against the Buffalo Bills at this point? Right now, I would lean on the Bills to cover that spread. Because I'm thinking whoever Sauce Gardner's not covering is going to be the primary target. It's not that simple, though. And then for the Jets offense, they don't have Brace Hall or AVT. So what are you doing? I don't know. 
I have I have this sneaking suspicion that this is going to go down in the loss against the spread category, and that this isn't going to be as easy as Vegas seems to think it will be. At least not if the not if the Bills can impose like if the Bills can't impose their will, this could be a very long Sunday, and it almost kind of makes the Bills a sucker's bet here, which is I I, I, I just can't shake that feeling. Just based on what I've seen statistically from the Jets over the course of the first month and a half of the football season, but I don't, I don't have any background on that. The good news is we have somebody we can turn to in moments like this, and it's the co-founder and our week of the Play Like a Jet Network and the you know, weekly, <laughs> weekly contributor to our AFC's Roundup podcast, Mr. Scott Mason. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Mr. Mason, how are we doing this evening? Wow. Mr. Mason. You got a Mr. The Mason. lose a game. Zach Wilson throws three interceptions. Pennant Fever's gone. And now we're getting all formal. Should I be wearing a suit and a tie? Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Mason, Mr. Kennedy, Mr. Anderson, whatever you want. Like, a whole list of people who were just waiting to get st- just smoked. The Jets, like if we're talking about the Jets season, this is the first time that the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets have gotten together this year. They came as something as a surprise to everyone, including your fan base. Correct or incorrect? <laughs> this game was very – this was such a weird one because I think so many Jets fans believe the Jets are going to win this one. But oh, there the was Patriots always – The Patriots game, yes. Well, so, uh, so we're talking about – like, is that – Hang on, Chris, maybe we didn't preface him. So we're not doing the roundup. We're doing our preview show. Oh, got it. Okay, go. Yeah, okay. No, Do you right. want to start over? I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. No, no, it's my fault. I didn't specify. It's always your fault. Nah, dude, it's my. It's usually my fault. And and as uh, one of my supervisors always is fond of saying, blame Scott, he's a Jets fan. <laughs> I like it. All right. So, Scott, the Jets have come as something of a surprise to pretty much everyone in, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. True or false, specifically Jets fans. <laughs> there's, there's no way you guys saw this coming, correct? No, I think most people figured if they could be three and five or somehow four and four, that would be 
amazing at this point. I don't think anybody thought they'd have a winning record going into this game with the Bills. So it's very, like you said, it's very surprising, not just to NFL fans in general, but to Jets fans as well. And especially once you heard that Zach Wilson was going to miss a significant period of time, you figured, oh, Joe Flacco, maybe they go one in three with him or however it is that it turns out. If they can just get one win with old man Joe Flacco – but then, yeah, Zach Wilson came back. They won four games in a row. Brees Hall was just tearing up the league. And then, unfortunately, tore up his ACL. But, yeah, here the Jets are at 5-3, and three, right in the thick of the playoff race. And until that loss to the Patriots this past Sunday, they were right there for the division with the Bills. This could have very well been a game on Sunday at MetLife Stadium for control of the AFC East. Of course, that's not the way it turned out because the Jets lost to the Patriots. But it's still – a much more interesting matchup now than I think a lot of people would have expected a couple of months ago or even a couple of weeks ago. No, 100%. I mean, you guys are fresh off your, just your third loss of the season, which is, which is more than half of the AFCs can say. And then when you look at the way the game played out, I don't know, you guys had the lead and made it a one-score game, which is a, a, a what, 151 left on the clock? You guys said, listen, we're going to make a dramatic comeback. We're going to try to... You've got to be pretty pleased with the way everything's gone. So, still second in the AFC East by virtue of the uh, tiebreaker. Second fewest points in the division allowed, and yet least points scored. And it's 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 coming up exactly the way everyone drew, <laughs> drew it up back in August. <laughs> so, if we're going to dissect your team a little bit here and just talk about what you guys have going for you and what you don't, what I want to talk about is the Jets' offense to start this, and it all runs through Zach Wilson on this front. <laughs> and, I mean, I made some notes as I was driving and I'm listening to the radio because they're talking to guys like Greg Cassell. And there's a lot of Det- – I mean, if you're if you're not a Jets fan and you're looking for detritus about Zach Wilson, it's out there. There's plenty of it. Greg Cassell, uh, Chris Trapasso, there's a lot of guys from a lot of different outlets who are all ready and willing to slander your quarterback. And when I look at this, I don't know, all offseason we heard about the need for Wilson to kind of show growth in his second year. And that got made more difficult by the offseason injury. Missed the team's first few games, returns and gets a dramatic win against the Steelers, which no one can take away from you. That was an amazing performance. But since then, you look at things like, I'm looking at these notes I made. Uh, he's accused of sloppy quarterbacking, vacating clean pockets early. Like, everyone's made a lot, of, uh, a lot, myself included, on our AFC show about all the injuries you've sustained in the offensive line. But that doesn't help when your quarterback just vacates the pocket early. When, when like, hey, there's pressure here, but you could navigate it. You could. You just chose not to. Or just that... Just the idea that after the first read, he almost has like a panic attack. And you, you when you get to your second and third read, things get a little bit dicey. And that's why you see these suppressed yardage totals. I mean, all in, right? Plethora of new weapons, a three-game win streak. He couldn't crack 200 passing yards for almost a month straight while throwing no touchdowns. Which, I mean, I get it. Miami, Green Bay, Denver. Those are teams that built their secondary to stop the pass. So I understand why a young quarterback would struggle against that. But then against New England, he blew up. 
but still threw three picks, and some of them were ducks, and they were bad interceptions. When you're talking about Zach Wilson, what do you know about his biggest his biggest areas of improvement since last season, entering this game, and his biggest current weakness? Uh, well, <laughs> I guess going into this past game with the Patriots, I would have said his biggest area of improvement is that he had cut down on the turnovers, but clearly we saw what happened this past week, so he's taken a step back there. I've talked about this with you on the AFC East Roundup a bunch of times, but the formula was clearly what I like to call the Seattle Seahawks formula from 2012, what they did with Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. They wanted to build up a strong defense and make the running game the focal point of the offense while allowing the young quarterback to manage the game and step up and make throws when he had to. But other than that, rely on the running game, rely on the defense, rely on the special teams. A couple of problems have interfered with this plan. The first is that Zach Wilson managing the game. Listen, you don't have to make a million plays, but as you said, (laughs) a couple of games in a row, he's throwing for 100 yards and really not doing much of anything missing throws and not seeing open receivers. So he wasn't making the quote-unquote big mistake, but he wasn't really doing anything. And then when Brees Hall went out, it became clear that the whole quarterback not doing anything formula would not be enough anymore. And so we saw Wilson attempt more passes, and we saw the mistakes. And I think it's hard to really pinpoint any area of major improvement now that he's thrown those three interceptions against the Patriots because, yeah, we still see the flashes, right? There was a really nice throw to Garrett Wilson against the Patriots down the field. It was a laser. Now, Garrett Wilson was open, but still it was a laser. Uh, We saw what he did against the the Pittsburgh Steelers, those two drives for the touchdowns late in the game. To be fair, Christian Simonelli on the AFC's Roundup show that we recorded tonight flat out said, that the throw to Tyler Conklin for a touchdown was one of the prettiest passes he's seen an AFC quarterback throw. Yeah. Including yeah. Josh Allen. He goes, that was that was a that was a top-notch throw. That's a franchise quarterback throw. But those flashes come to be kind of too few and far between, don't they? Exactly. Exactly. And as you know, what separates Josh Allen from, say, Blaine Gabbert is the ability to do it on a consistent basis because Blaine Gabbert was capable of making some nice throws from time to time, too. Most of the guys in the NFL are. That's why, especially the ones that got drafted high, that's why they got drafted high. The consistency is what you want. And unfortunately, you're seeing a lot of the Sam Darnold conundrum now with Zach Wilson, which is, You see some really beautiful plays and you say, wow, that's why he got drafted number two. But then, as you said, sometimes he'll leave the pocket early. Then he'll do that move where he gets the ball. He senses some pressure. And instead of stepping up in the pocket and throwing the ball. So what he likes to do, unfortunately, is he drops back. He runs back 10 yards, dances around, still doesn't throw to any open receivers or really make any kind of play and then he 
desperately throws it away or this past week a couple of times just chucked it up. And his answer when asked about this was unfathomable. He basically said, I got bored of just throwing it away and tried to make a place. So I figured I'd throw it up. No, 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 no good. Can't do that. <laughs> so when you hear an answer like that and we're talking about 17 games into his career. Now, listen, let's be fair. He had the injuries, so he, he hasn't had even the equivalent of a full season until this past week, but you want to see progress. You want to see him getting better. And it really does feel like in a lot, in a lot of ways he's regressed and it makes you very nervous as a Jets fan. I'm not saying that I'm out on him. And I don't think most in the fan base are out entirely on him, nor should they be. But we're at the point now where we watch this with Darnold. We watch this to a degree with Geno Smith. Funny enough, look what he's doing now. We watched this to a degree with Mark Sanchez. It's been something we've seen. So when you see a quarterback doing this, it makes everybody in the fan base very nervous. And look, Josh Allen is the guy that everybody goes back to it. And we've talked about how annoying this team (laughs) is. Oh, but Josh Allen. Yeah. Okay, fine. Josh Allen is the outlier, but also as we both know, while Josh Allen wasn't, year three Josh Allen right away, there was steady progress there. His rookie year, he wasn't that good. His second year, he was better. His third year, he really blossomed. But you saw the progress. Right now with Zach Wilson, you're not seeing it. There's still time, but you know how it is in the NFL. As they say, NFL stands for not for long if you don't get things together. I want to look at these skill players for you guys. One of the things I love is this rise of Garrett Wilson. He had the fall of Elijah Moore who we all kind of pegged as first, like, hey, this is going to be one of the next great Jet receivers, to, holy crap, they might deal him at the deadline, <laughs> to, I don't know how this gets navigated now. First of all, why is Moore such a non-factor this year as a skill player? Is it play calling? Is it just a disconnect with the quarterback? Well, what What's the deal? I think it's a multi-pronged problem, but I think what it really boils down to is that he doesn't believe in the quarterback. He doesn't believe in the offensive coordinator, and they haven't given him any reason to. I think most Jets fans recognize that Elijah Moore has every right to be frustrated at this point, but I also think that most Jets fans are annoyed that Elijah Moore didn't handle this in a more professional manner. He took this public, and then we know what happened where he ended up being sent home for a week. This past week, he was practically given a soft benching because he played 10 snaps. So <laughs> they, they clearly were trying to send a message. I didn't think they were going to deal him at the deadline simply because you have to think about the message that sends. Yeah. If any player can just throw a tantrum and get a one-way ticket out of town – whenever they want to, then you've lost control of the locker room. I thought the only way it would happen is if somebody called and offered a first-round pick, which I guess considering that somebody gave up a second-round pick for Chase Claypool, (laughs) maybe that could have happened. Maybe the Bears would have offered a first-rounder, which is incredible. Um, But, yeah, so it's funny because you go into this season and you say they got Garrett Wilson, right? They got – Corey Davis, who who will probably be gone at the end of the year, but he's a nice placeholder for this year. They've got Elijah Moore. Denzel Mims, eh, if they get anything out of Denzel Mims, it's a nice bonus at this point. Braxton Berrios gives them depth and can do some nice trick plays. And you say, 
Jets are really deep at receiver, and and the more Wils, uh, the uh, more Wilson combo looks like it could be a really nasty combo for many years to come. And then this whole thing happens with Elijah Moore, and all of a sudden you're saying, well, back to Denzel Mims. Let's let's hope that somehow against all odds he turns out to be the guy that the Jets thought he would be when they drafted him in the second round. And by the way, both of those guys had asked for trades. Mims, of course, much more understandable because all he wanted was an opportunity to play, which it became clear he was not going to get here with the Jets until, ironically enough, Elijah Moore opened up the door for him with his antics. It's just been crazy because, as you said, Drew, you went into this season thinking you've got Garrett Wilson, the rookie. We'll see what he does his rookie year. Usually these rookie receivers take a little mm-hmm. while, but they've got Elijah Moore, who looks like he's ready to blossom. They've got Davis, who's all reliable. They've got Brees Hall, this really good young running back. They've got Elijah Vera Tucker, one of the best young offensive linemen in the league. And now Vera Tucker's gone with an injury. Brees Hall has gone with an injury. Corey Davis, it looks like he's probably not going to play this week against the Bills. He didn't play against the Patriots. Elijah Moore has put himself into self-imposed exile. So it, it, this offense is, is not, not looking anything like what they envisioned it to be when they put these pieces in place. It's just that's the 100%. way the cookie crumbles. It's football, right? The, 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 these things happen. The fact that like C.J. Uzama and Tyler Conklin were nice signings for you guys. Never did I think that they would be the, like, Tyler Conklin would have to be the red zone guy for you yeah. guys. I never thought that, that would happen. But Garrett Wilson, he's been nice. Up and down, as a rookie does. I mean, he, he has, like, a 100-yard game against New England. But then you go back a week, and against a, a really good secondary in Denver, he goes 4 for 4 for 25 yards. So he's up, he's down. It just depends on the quality of the secondary he's playing and also kind of how he's used. But realistically, Garrett Wilson looks the part of a good NFL wide receiver. It's just going to take time. It's time, it's quarterbacking, it's play calling. There's a whole lot that goes into that. When you think about this offense with this quarterback and the faith that they all seem to, I don't know, it seems like there's a mistrust of everybody amongst each other. Going up against the Buffalo Bills this Sunday, knowing what you know about our secondary, like they're young, but they've done a great job of playing this zone cover that requires the quarterback to have a really good rapport with his wide receivers and throw into good windows. Know when his guys are going to break on certain routes and find that space. How do you predict this passing offense is going to fare against this defense? Not well. <laughs> uh, I, look, I, I think it's going to be tough because they're they're going to be at home. But we both know a lot of the fans in attendance are going to be Buffalo Bills fans. Bills fans are going to travel for this one, and we already know it's sold out. But like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if half the building is Bills fans at this Shout point. Shout out to Jake, who's going to be there with his son. Going to be a mm, great time. There, <laughs> There you go. Find me in the parking lot somewhere. We'll hang out or something. Uh, I'm I'm kidding. I get the, I literally get to my seat at like one o'clock. It's funny because somebody uh, messed with me after the Jets lost. They said, "Did you get to your seat at twelve by twelve thirty Like Robert Sala asked, and I said, "No." He said, "Well, then this loss is on you." <laughs> so I guess it's my fault that the Jets lost to the Patriots. But yeah, no, man. Honestly, I, I think the Jets' passing offense. I don't know what to expect from them at any point now. Like with Zach Wilson, you go into these games 
and you just you you feel very uneasy. You have that feeling in the pit of your stomach, that that same feeling that you had when you you had a test the next day and you didn't study for it and you were like almost certain that you were going to fail, but you were hoping against all odds that you would find a way to either cheat off somebody that was smart in front of you or guess the right answers or whatever, something by osmosis. That's sort of what you feel like right now with this Jets offense because, like I said, no Elijah Vera Tucker, no Brees Hall, Elijah Moore basically self-imposed exile, and Zach Wilson is playing about as bad as you can play. So I, I don't expect a lot. <laughs> I, I really don't. I, I, you're talking about, you're talking the, about the, not studying for tests. I've got a funny story about that. So in college, I signed up. Well, I followed my student advisor who actually wasn't paying attention to anything we were doing or talking to him about. It turns out he was a giant. He liked nose candy. So it turns out he wasn't really student advising much. And he told me that molecular chemistry was a good class for me to sign up for. Mind you, it had prerequisites in calculus, and I opted out of math three in high school because trigonometry was a bridge too far. So I show up, and I'm doing terrible in the class, but I was just like, you know what? The, the teacher doesn't believe in me, but I think I can show up to this. I think I can do enough studying in a 72-hour period before the final. Because he was like, oh, you're definitely going to fail this, and you're definitely going to embarrass yourself in the final. And I was like, I'll show you, old man. I will come here prepared, and I will put on a show during this final. <laughs> I scored less than 35. Like that's like that. <laughs> Sometimes there's no. So you pulled the Zach Wilson. Yes. You, you, you tried Some, too hard and you you hurt yourself. Sometimes there's no amount of studying that can overcome just understanding and talent. And that's I did not have a talent for that. And sometimes we question whether he has a talent for this. On the defensive side of the ball, it's a completely different story. That might be the biggest story of the 2022 Jets and their five wins. And maybe the most ringing endorsement of your head coach is this rapid ascension of the Jets' defense. I mean, some of the statistical accolades. Let me run these down. It's impressive. Third in the NFL in pressure rate. Second in the NFL in knockdown percentage per pass play. 28th in the NFL in blitz percentage. Tied for ninth in the NFL in sacks. And fresh off a six-sack performance against the Patriots. This defense specifically that defensive line is running like a well-oiled machine and your secondary has been picking up the slack enough to get you guys to this point. For as bad as your offense has been, the defense is doing the yeoman's work, making you guys a winner. What specifically about this group makes them dangerous to a team like Buffalo? Well, I think the matchup that everybody is going to have their eyes on is the Buffalo wide receivers against the Jets cornerbacks because you could make a credible case. And I just said this on play like a jet with Robbie Sabo from Jets X factor that this far into his career, less than half of a season sauce Gardner is playing like, if not the best cornerback in the NFL, he's right in that discussion, which is incredible. I've never seen a cornerback do this so quickly, but him going up against Stefan Diggs, him going up against Gabe Davis, DJ Reed, who has actually been outstanding as well. He's been overshadowed a little bit by sauce, but he's been terrific. And the thing about him that's really fascinating to me is that he's only five, nine, but he's got the wingspan of a six foot three 
guy. So hey, Chris, that's that why he's like? so. Who does it sound like? A guy under six feet tall with a massive wingspan? <laughs> Represent. I'm a bigger DJ Reed fan than I already was. <laughs> that, that alone just makes me a bigger fan of him. But that's that's the thing is those two guys have been outstanding. And you know this. A lot of times the pressure dictate, dictates the coverage, right? With the Jets, a lot of it, it it's the coverage dictating the pressure. Uh, the, the quarterbacks have trouble finding guys open because of, of Sauce and DJ. And so you see the defensive line being particularly effective. This really has become a Robert Sala defense. This is sort of what you saw with the 49ers and look at Quinn and Williams, man, Quinn and Williams has always been very good, but he oh, hasn't God. quite lived up to that number three overall pick caliber player until this year. He's just been crushing everybody. He's got seven sacks. He's on pace for about 14 this year. He looks every bit as impressive as DeForest Buckner looked in San Francisco. So that that's the fascinating thing with the offense. Now, I will say this, and I fully expect the Bills to do this. If you watched what the Patriots did against the Jets and you've watched the other games here, Ramondre Stevenson gave the Jets a lot of trouble running the ball a little bit, but really more to the point out of the backfield. Uh, the, the Jets have had a ton of trouble defending the middle of the field, defending screens. I think Dawson Knox is going to be an interesting one because I don't know that the Jets have uh, anybody that's a, a good matchup for him. So so he may be somebody that Allen relies on. Uh, and and, and the, the one thing I'll say too is the, the Jets have, have struggled at times with guys that have speed to the outside. We saw what we saw what LaFleur and Salah's old buddy Raheem Mostert did for the Dolphins against the Jets earlier this year. Had a really good game. So uh, that to me is, is the interesting matchup. I'm not really all that confident in the Jets offense against the Bills defense. I'm not saying I'm confident in the Jets defense against the Bills offense because nobody should be confident against the Bills offense. But what I will say is I do think it's going to be a very interesting and fun matchup. If you're just a football fan, putting your fandom of the Jets or Bills aside. 100%. Like, I look at the statistics. I look at the statistics. DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner, you're you're giving them accolades. You're underselling it. 92 yards of combined yak. That's Mm. it. Through half a season of football. Right. 92 combined yards after the catch, one touchdown between the two of them allowed in coverage. They are doing everything for that secondary. And then when you think about the struggles that this the safety group has had here and there, these two are really the straw that stirs the drink for that defense. Other than Quinn mm-hmm. Williams, and then you watch the guys who feed off that. Because to your point, the coverage sacks, the things that the pressure numbers, yeah, that all stems from Chris, who does that sound like? Remember when the Buffalo Bills, like back in 2017, everyone's like, what's happening here? Why is the Bills defense so disruptive? Well, it's because we had a rookie corner who was named a Pro Bowler that year as a rookie, who basically built off a safety group that was playing like like their hair was on fire. And we didn't have a great defensive line, but it was good enough to get the job done. Yours is playing better than the 2017 Bills defense, which was good enough to make them a playoff team. And I feel like if they can continue on this and get a little bit of help from their offense, you guys might be on that doorstep, and it 
comes to down to this matchup of who are the Buffalo Bills? I mean, look at Sauce Gardner. Like, let's talk about that for a second before we let you go. Sauce, in your opinion, recency bias notwithstanding, does he have the same impact Revis had early in his career, or is this better? Because I'm looking at this going 10 targets against Denver in 16 yards. 10 targets, 16 total yards. Four out of his eight games, he's single-digit yardage and coverage. It's like, even though his every week his targets go up because now he, it went from, hey, you're going to cover this half of the field, you're going to do this half, DJ. Now it's, Sauce, we trust you. Go chase that guy. You you want you want Stephon Diggs? Go get him. Follow him everywhere he goes on the field. Have that fight all day long. Unlike that bum Jair Alexander who prefers to watch his teammates get roasted and then talk shit after the game. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Sauce Gardner is doing like Pro Bowl level work as a rookie nine weeks into his career. Just him alone. Is it similar or better, in your opinion, to what Revis did early in his career? So here's what I'll say. I don't know that Sauce is necessarily going to be as good as Revis was at his peak, but I think as a rookie, Sauce is better than what Revis was. Now, Revis was good, but he didn't really become Revis Island until Rex Ryan showed up. Like His second year in the league, 08, he was really, really good. Like He was on the doorstep. And then 09, he turned into one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time, a Hall of Fame caliber player. I'm not saying Sauce is going to be a Hall of Famer, but what, what, maybe he will. We'll see. But I, I do remember what Revis was like as a rookie 15 years ago, and Sauce is better than Revis was as a rookie. I, like I said, I've never seen a guy at this position, which we've talked about this, man coverage as a corner is one of the most difficult Ooh. things there is to do in the NFL. It's almost unfair to ask a guy to do these things physically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. hundred percent. And the thing about it is like, you know, Joe Douglas said at his presser this week that he's not surprised that sauce has been this good, this fast, but he's, that's not true. Nobody could ever think that any cornerback would be this good, this fast. It's just, it almost never happens. So yeah, I, I think he's, right now better than Revis was at this point in his career, whether sauce is able to follow on that path and become as good as Revis became that. I couldn't tell you the early returns look amazing though. Scott, we love you. We love that you make time for us. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social and where they can follow what you guys have coming up in, in, in the advance of this matchup over at play like a jet. Well, first I should say, as always, it's a pleasure to be called up from NXT to the main roster WWE, which is what I feel like happens every time you call me up from the AFC East roundup to the main podcast, the Rock Pile Report. So grateful for that opportunity. But obviously, you can catch me seven days a week. God help me and my sanity. Uh, you can find Play Like a Chet uh, anywhere where you download podcasts, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, you can go to playlikeajet.com. We've got our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And this week we've got some fun programs leading up to the game, including, of course, Drew coming on to talk about the Bills side of this because we like to do a show we call Know Your Foe 
where we talk to somebody who covers the other team and get that perspective. So you'll hear Drew on the show this week. I hope that's enough of a, a draw. Uh, I, listen, I couldn't get John Fina to show up at my tailgate, but I got Drew to show up on the show. So if you're a Bills fan, come listen. Scott Mason on Twitter, at PlayLikeAJet1. Go follow him. Go make fun of him if you want to. Make fun of him? For what? For the fact that he has to live in New Jersey? Yeah. For a New Jersey football team? I mean, I would make fun of that. Yeah. What I do know is that there are things that the Buffalo Bills are going to have to do, especially after this conversation that we just had. There's things that the Bills are going to have to do if they want to come out of this one with a victory. And that brings us to our keys. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. I know that there's a lot of you out there right now thinking to yourself, this is going to be great. Diggs versus Sauce Gardner, Clash of the Titans. It sounds like a cool concept. Unstoppable force meets a movable object. In one yeah. corner, you got this breakout rookie doing an incredible job at the most at the most difficult job for any cornerback in the game of football to do, which is to stay in a wide receiver's hip pocket and play tough man, co- aggressive man coverage. In the other, you've got one of the NFL's most elite wide receivers against man cover. Something has to give. It sounds great for a talking point and a narrative. And Chris, I bet you I could make a YouTube video right now with a thumbnail with me and my shirt off wrestling with, you know, like, yeah, you can't Stefan Diggs under one arm and sauce Gardner on the other. And at least 200 people will click it. If I go Diggs versus Gardner, whatever in the Meadowlands, someone will watch that because it's a compelling storyline to a point. Realistically for the Buffalo Bills, if you want to win this football game, I think that that's a mistake. And I think that it's better off if Buffalo avoided that outcome wherever possible. That's going to be hard because Gardner has quickly been given by his coaching staff the the, the rope that that crybaby Jair Alexander from Green Bay apparently doesn't have in terms of being allowed to shadow his opponent's number one wide receiver wherever he goes. Yeah, there's a couple different types of coverage when you talk about man zone, and then there's things like zone match, man match. When you play man match coverage, it's it's kind of like zone. It's like, hey, I'm playing man coverage, but I'm going to do it on whoever's lined up across from me. So if the team motions and brings another guy over, that's fine. I'm still playing man. I'm just doing it on now the new guy who's vacated like or come to fill this space. Or they vacated my space. Now I'm playing man. My assignments changed. Now I'm watching the running back out of the field. Have I lost you already, Chris? Is you shaking your head? No, you haven't. Um. Okay. Well, the reason that I'm saying all this is because there's something called Meg. M-E-G. Now, is that an ex-girlfriend? <laughs> no, although I did. Was that the name of that woman from the Tim Hortons drive? I was going to say, AM? I have dated some girls who were the size of the Meg. <laughs> that is a thing. <laughs> that is a thing. But no, Meg stands for man everywhere he goes, which means you shadow. So what you could do is inside of a man match concept, you could have one guy who's just, hey, 
your job is this man no matter where he lines up on the field. If he shifts, you shift. They've given Sauce Gardner that leeway over the course of the last month of football because he's proved that he's earned it. He's proven that he can handle that responsibility. I don't want to constantly fight that, right? I think a big part of us coming up with a win in Jersey is going to revolve around whether or not they can scheme digs into matchups against other cornerbacks, right? Or just create maybe some natural pick plays to get some separation and manufacture a release off the line of scrimmage when necessary. I don't want to see Diggs, like for as much as I'd love to be able to crow about, look at, like flex on him and look at Diggs, he's great. Your, your rookie corner who's a phenom still can't hold a candle to our number one wide receiver. I think that you're almost, I don't know, you're trying to piss into the wind at that point. You're way too talented as a football team to get sucked into that, aren't you? Yeah. So go find better matchups. Go manufacture matchups for your number one wide receiver. Find ways to make him impactful while avoiding this Sauce Gardner trap. Not because I'm afraid of him, but because I think it's dumb football to go at a kid who's playing at one of the highest levels of any cornerback in football right now. In that same breath, I say the second key to the game is Knox, Cook, and Shakir and how you find a way to use them. I think a lot of our production is going to fall to this group of players. Given how focused the Jets' best coverage assets are going to be on taking away our outside and deep threats. Gabe Davis, what he put on tape against the Steelers is going to haunt defensive coordinators for a while. Because if the Chiefs game wasn't bad enough, now you're looking at a game where recently he just roasted Minka Fitzpatrick, Levi Wallace, and basically anybody who was between him and the goal line. 70 yards at a time. You have to you have to be cognizant of that at any point in time. You also obviously have to keep track of Stephon Diggs, which means that your safeties and outside corners are kind of tied up. So, I don't know. And also when you look at the pass rush they have, Josh may have to be dealing quickly. He may have to be delivering the football and getting it out of his hands pretty quick to avoid the pass rush. When you look back at last week, what New England was able to do, they think about it. New England with that 190 yards passing got the win. Running back Ramondre Stevenson paced the New England pass attack with seven catches for 72 yards. Your best, your best receiver was a running back. Jacoby Myers, seven of his nine receptions and one of his touchdowns came on, came on throws under five yards. Mac Jones didn't challenge them downfield pretty much at all. Yet on his passes of less than 10 yards, he was 12 of 17 with a touchdown and no picks. Basically just attacked their linebacking core and just said, look, I won't make any mistakes. I'm just going to throw the. We're going to slowly matriculate our way down the field. And I know that these guys aren't going to cause me a problem. They played that soft underneath against a quarterback that they knew didn't have the arm or the weapons down the field that the Buffalo Bills said. That dynamic is probably going to get worse against our team. And unlike New England, we have the weapons to hurt them when they do so. There was a whole article over at Pat's Pulpit today about how for the first time all season, the, the Patriots really steered into RPO looks. Oh, they, they ran bubble screens and some short crosses on 13 different occasions out of RPO concepts. 
and they didn't hit any explosive plays, but they used him to earn more than half of their total first downs. And that's with guys like Kendrick Bourne and Jonu Smith as your secondary pass option outside of the running backs. I think that this is a game where you're going to want to see Dawson Knox and a slot receiver. I, I'd prefer Khalil Shakir, wouldn't you? Yeah, uh, it's been a known fact on this podcast that I'm not in the Isaiah McKenzie camp. I think this is a game where you have to look at those guys as more than just a safety valve for Allen. You have to look at it and go, hey, there's going to be times where their DC is specifically game planning to not give us either boundary receiver and make us make a quick choice because that pass rush is legitimate. Quinn Williams is having one of the best seasons of his entire career. He's he's Carl Lawson is doing the job that Carl Lawson is supposed to be doing. Their defensive line is bringing legitimate heat with four guys to the quarterback. So with that in mind, you need a guy like Shakir who, hey, I'll put it in your hands and just trust that your speed can get me five yards. Your speed can maybe get me 10 if the safeties are out of the box and that linebacker misjudges where you are. Maybe this is a bigger play than that. Meanwhile, I've got Knox in the seam who's going to keep their safeties busy, keep their linebackers busy. Oh, by the way, I also have running backs now that I can throw to. And Naheem Hines, I don't know how, Hines is probably going to take some time to work into the rotation. But Cook, that 41-yard catch and run against Green Bay, Mm -hmm. give me two more opportunities like that. They don't have to be 40 yards, but give me that kind of effort and that kind of execution. Yeah. I'll let you take away my boundary receivers because I've got the talent to hurt you, legitimately hurt you everywhere else. Throwing a little bit of Singletary, I think that that's where this game can be won and lost is with that group of players right there. In the middle of the field, when they decide to take away the deep, they take away the boundaries, they're taking away your best options, you say, okay, fine. These guys are fast. They're elusive. They, they're mismatches unto themselves physically against what you have in terms of talent in the linebacking core. The Bills have to be able to exploit that if they want to win this game. Linebacker awareness. That's that's kind of the last one I have, and it's important because we all know the defense. Look, Chris, the defensive line has to win this one, right? Yeah. People bitched up a storm after that game against the Packers. But in reality, our linebackers did the job of managing the Packers running backs while not getting beat for big yards after the catch on throws down the field. That's going to be important for a couple reasons. One, the Jets offensive line might be as shuffled and beat up as Green Bay's, but they never had the talent floor that Green Bay's offensive line had. Their ceiling is much lower. I expect there to be some growing pains as they rotate new faces and against a really, really strong Bills defensive line. B, the Jets' remaining running backs are like they're talented, and the recently acquired James Robinson should be up to speed enough to contribute as a rusher more than he was last week against the Patriots. But neither of those guys are, they're not going to kid anyone into believing that they're A.J. Dillon or Aaron Jones, right? Mm -hmm. And five, more than half of Wilson's yards versus New England which was his best passing performance of the season. His first 300-yard game and his first game over 200 yards in weeks came after the catch. That last point is probably the most important for Buffalo. Zach Wilson has been one of the league's worst deep ball, ball passers this season. 
On throws of more than 10 yards downfield, he's only got 562 yards. He's 20 of 44 for 45%. One touchdown against three interceptions. And I think what's crazy is that he's thrown more interceptions when throwing to his right as a right-handed quarterback. That's bad. Most of the time when you make a mistake when you're gunning it down the field, it's because you're throwing it across your body to your non-dominant hand side. I.e. Allen's first interception. Yes. He's throwing to his side where he's like, hey, I've got velocity. I've got the, And he still managed to throw three of them last week. A couple that you know, is, you're going to hear in this week's AFC's roundup, the Patriots didn't even have to work that hard for it. Like, I thought Zach Wilson was a pretty good deep ball thrower. I've seen him throw some pretty good deep balls, although he was in shorts and in Utah doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I know. They they let us all to believe. Yeah, I mean those pro sure, day. Jets fans feel the same way. Those pro day throws are unreal. The Bills have to find a way through their linebacking core mopping up the the safety valve underneath bullshit, and their defensive line putting some legitimate pressure on this kid, knowing his struggles with reads. Get him to loft a couple shots downfield so that we can take advantage of him, because that's going to be. If you have that composure in your linebacker core, no matter who plays, whether it's Edmonds and Milano, whether it's Edmonds and Terrell Dodson, whether it's they rotate in Saran Neal, whether it's Dodson and Saran Neal, I don't know. I don't know what the plan is. What I do know is that you need to make him throw into these um, more than 10 yards down the field. If that's where he's making, trying to make most of his passes, you're probably going to win this football game. So discipline in the front seven in the linebacking core. And then also just get the lead. Like if they're doing that, that should buy our offense the time that they need to pull away. That will make those throws more prevalent. Now, Chris, your overall predictions. When we talk about this, I want you to get boot up your gambling app because I know you're old. I love the fact that Mark and Yulberg both made fun of you listening to the podcast talking about how I, I did the app and I'm I'm trying to work it. No, it's um. How old are you? Thirty eight. I'm a. It's an app. Yeah, but you gotta like. But you gotta look at screens and you gotta press buttons and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's... What is the under over for Allen's passing yards in this game? Uh, well, you're gonna have to let me get there. In a minute. I mean, I... The reason I find this interesting is because, like we touched on earlier, the Jets have yet to allow a 300-yard passer this season. And some of their games, you know, I mean, obviously, like, okay, the Steelers, 178 yards. That's the game that Mitch Trubisky got benched. The Dolphins, they were playing uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Let's see. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers, we held them to about the same. Our defense held Aaron Rodgers' offense to about the same passing yards. In fact, a few less. Uh, Russell Wilson stinks on ice, so it's not shocking that he only had 219. Nobody's afraid of Mac Wilson, but 161 is hilarious. FanDuel didn't have player props like that. Well, I'll tell you this. Right now, the only legitimate quarterback they've played all season was... Uh, Neither does DraftKings. They don't have any of that. They won't give you Allen under over. That's no. interesting. Uh, so I mean, I like I like Buffalo minus 13. Really? Yeah. You think they're going to cover that spread? Yeah, like I told you 
after we got off with Scott, it's going to be uh, we're going to have a hell of a game for whoever Sauce isn't covering. They don't have Brees Hall and they don't have AVT. Is that our Seagram's bet then? I get the yeah. Jets plus 13. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, let's shake on it. I mean, right now it's on the Yahoo app and DraftKings, which I just had up at 12 and a half. All right. So do you want 13 or 12? I will do 12 and a half because right. that, that's what it says. Bet. I think that this game is going to be closer than that. And it's not. I hope you're right. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone knows this. You're not smart. So. It's that old North Collins math. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guys, I'm excited to see what happens because we need this, right? Like, this is one more game that you can use to. I don't know, in this rock-paper-scissors matchup of what the AFC East is going to be this year. My team beat yours, but then you beat me, and then I beat this guy who also beat you. This is one you need under your belt, right? Mm-hmm. After the after their win over the Dolphins, you need that as a common opponent tiebreaker for the Miami Dolphins. Go out there, show that even against a young upstart team that's starting to lose some of its depth, like you can put them in their place still. The way the Patriots used to do whenever anybody thought they were getting close. Go out there, put the kibosh on them. The Josh Allen hammer. I I don't know. It'll be interesting. Again, I expect it to be close. Guys, tweet at us. Let me know what you think about our stupid Seagram's bet. At Rock Power Report on Twitter. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. And this has been your Rock Power Report.